Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for those who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for those who would escape it, happier for those who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for those who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for those who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for all, to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You were within, but I was without. You were with me, but I was not with you. So you called, you shouted, you broke through my deafness, you flared, blazed, and banished my blindness. You lavished your fragrance, and I gasped. This quote from St. Augustine, from Confessions, Book 10, Chapter 27, is a beautiful, beautiful representation of God's love for us. A love that is unlike the romantic love we see in movies or even feel for the people in our lives. A love that is unlike that of brotherly love, a philia. This love is agape. It is God's love for us and our love response to God. St. Paul in Galatians describes agape as one of the fruits of the Spirit. And in the famous 1 Corinthians chapter 13 reading, St. Paul says the greatest of three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. In 1 John, we're told, chapter 4, verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. This is the kind of love that is unconditional. It doesn't depend on circumstance or feeling. It transcends. It persists. Our reading today from the Gospel of Mark places us within the larger context of testing, of questioning, of Jesus by those in places of power and authority. It would be easy to see the scribe as yet another one of these testers, an examiner. However, we see quickly that the relationship between the scribe and Jesus is different. The scribe approaches Jesus in a manner of respect, as someone who has proven to be wise, understanding. He stands with Jesus as one who loves God and seeks to bring people to a deeper love and knowledge of God. And so when the scribe comes to Jesus with his question, it takes the conversation to its foundation, to the very beginning. Jesus starts with the Shema, 
as we heard in Deuteronomy, to love the Lord your God with all of one's heart, soul, and might. Jesus adds to this from Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the scribe adds, don't get wrapped up in the things that stop you from doing these two most important things. So I want us to just pause here now, and I want to remind us that the exchange between Jesus and the scribe, it's an insider conversation. It's a conversation between two people, two Jewish men, about their perspective on the state of their community. To read this passage, to discount an entire religious tradition, which this passage certainly has been used in that way in the past, would be incorrect. So let's carry on. The scribe says, don't get wrapped up in the things that stop you from doing these two most important things. After the exchange between the scribe and Jesus, the crowd, the crowd that surrounds them, is left in silence. The testing, the back and forth, the questions, it's over. So great, so great was the call to love that silence was all that remained. To love God so fully, to love neighbor so selflessly, to love self so persistently. Should not a call to love so great fill us with awe and wonder? Should we not be stunned when we encounter a love so deep and so wide that we can do nothing but sit in the reverberations? But the truth is, silence often makes us uncomfortable. And as a modern people, especially people who have access to everything we could ever possibly imagine to remove our discomfort, the thought of being uncomfortable is unbearable. And so we fill the silence with people, places, things. We fill the silence with any and everything we can imagine to make the discomfort go away. We numb, we yell, we build up fake versions of ourselves while tearing down those around us. In an effort to save ourselves from discomfort, we do the very things that take us far away from the things that would bring us peace. Comfort, a deep, abiding love. We unknowingly trade discomfort for exacting pain. When I meet with people who desire to be baptized or parents of young children, we go over the questions we are asked in the baptismal service. We are asked to renounce evil and the spiritual forces of wickedness. But we are also asked 
if we will put our whole trust, our whole trust in the grace and love of God as known through Christ. It's hard to tell which is more difficult, to renounce evil or to trust love. I know that all of us are tired, and all of us want to go back to normal. But I would encourage us to take time for silence, to not rush back to the former ways, because what a gift silence can be at this time if we receive it with grace and gratitude even when it makes us feel uncomfortable. If we could sit in the uncomfortable silence now, I wonder what our new normal could look like. Might there be healing, redemption, joy, even new life born from our silence? Perhaps we can begin to let go of that which hinders us, hinders us in our love of God, in our love of neighbor, and in our love of self. You were within, but I was without. You were with me, but I was not with you. So you called, you shouted, you broke through my deafness, you flared, blazed, and banished my blindness. You lavished your fragrance, and I gasped. Let us breathe in the silence, the lavish fragrance of God's love. Amen.